Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. We were singing today from the book of Psalms how that He is the joy of the whole earth. Do you think that's important for us today, that he is the joy of the whole earth? Let's look at the book of Galatians and let's find out what is resident in our spirit as believers and um, our, our need to cultivate Galatians looking in chapter 5. And verse 22, talking of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit or that which is produced in your spirit by the presence or the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in you, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such... There is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, each of these are characteristics of God himself. This is God's Spirit living in us. He is love. Amen? He is love. All of these attributes, if you will, are attributes of God. And as we cultivate and give place to the growing of these attributes in our lives... We become like him. We become representatives of him. We look more like him as we grow in these. And these are all, because it refers to them in that word with fruit, it lets us know there is a cultivation responsibility on our part. They're not just automatic. It's automatically available. It's in you. In you right now, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. But each of us have the choice to yield to the love or yield to our flesh. We could be selfish and override the love of God and say, I don't care about that situation or how it makes that person feel. I'm going to do what I want to do in this situation. I don't care how my words are going to hurt them. I'm going to say what I feel like saying and just, just tell them what I have to give them a piece of my mind. Well, that selfishness is always, that's in our flesh. It's available for us to choose as an option, but we never have to choose it. We can always choose to yield to the love of God, but the love of God is not going to forcefully override your actions and say, you're going to walk in love (laughs) and you're going to say the right thing. No, we have to cultivate. So the more that we yield to love, the more we'll grow in love. And Pastor Caldwell's newest book, Perfected Love, is a perfect example of that from a man who who pastored the church called Agape, the God kind of love. He has definitely uh, um, learned and, and conditioned and cultivated some things about the love of God that will apply to all of these attributes of God, these characteristics of God. All of them are 
are available for cultivation, and the more that we yield to them, the more they will grow and increase. The second one that I want to give more attention to today, just as the example of the, the leading that the Lord put in my heart today, is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Joy is different than happiness. Joy is not happiness. A lot of times people put them as synonyms and just, uh, just equate joy with that feeling. But feelings are not identified in any of these fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't produce feelings. So love isn't a feeling. This is talking about the love of God, which is God himself. God is love. It is a spiritual force of love, not a feeling of love, not an emotion of love, not natural human love, not the love we have for our family members, not the love that we have for friends. It is the love that comes from God. The, the word agape is only used to, do, to express the love that comes from God but is resident in the believer. And so this joy is the same way. It's not happiness. It's not an emotion. It's not, it's not um, exuberance or festivity or, ooh, I feel so good today. It is a force that is an attribute of God. God doesn't have down days. God doesn't have blue days or, or, or cloudy days. There's no stormy Mondays for God, Right? And so we have been given this attribute of God, this joy of God, the joy of the Lord is ours, but again, we have the option to yield to it. We have to choose joy when the situation offers something else. When the situation offers sadness or dread or gloom, we have to resist gloom like we would resist cussing. We have to resist dread like we would resist uh, 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 open sin, something that, would, that, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt. God doesn't want me to do that. He doesn't want us gloomy. We have enough in our salvation that we never have to be sad another day in our life. No matter how bad it looks, no matter what is happening around us, sadness is never my only option. Praise God. We, but we've got to choose the joy of the Lord. We've got to yield to that joy. We've got to opt for joy even when the circumstance presents another demand because that's what happens. The situation tries to tell you there's no other choice. But I want to just read to you from Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. And the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Well, if you put all of it, one of those things is, is a difficult situation. 
one of those things is going to is going to mean that you're going to have an area where you're lacking something. That would be like even if this paycheck didn't come through and and this this asset that I have failed and the stock market took all of my IRA and da 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 da, da and just going through all these different things. He's he's not only talking about the present day food and the present day supply, but he's talking about this supply of food to come. If there's no herd in the stalls, then we're talking about, we're talking about there's not going to be any milk, not just today, but next week and next month, right? Not going to be any cheese in the house, not going to be any, any ground beef in the house, not going to be any, you know, in the, in the fields, in the stalls, on the vines, all of these areas have been affected, so it sounds like we could be sad about that. You know, we could look at it and say, well, as bad as that is, surely God would understand if I got upset right now, if God, if God, God would, would have compassion on me if I got all gloomy and down right now. But no, even in that situation, God is still my God, and he's still my rewarder, and he's still my ever-present help in time of trouble. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Just because my circumstance changed, he hasn't changed. So verse 18 says, yet, even though all of these things, even in the face of all of these adversities, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Hallelujah. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Can you show me the amplified right there? Hallelujah. I will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. I will exult. Now, rejoicing is one thing and exulting is a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. We're going to talk about exulting today because I want you to see yourself as an exulter. I know you haven't used the word before, but just go ahead and make it yours. Go ahead and own it. And go ahead and say, okay, I take that. I'm going to be an exalter. Not an exalter, an exalter. I'm going to exalt the Lord. I will exalt in the victorious God of my salvation. Another translation says, I will joy in the God of my prosperity and deliverance. I will joy in the God of my prosperity and deliverance. Well, I'm not joying based on what I see <laughs> because the fields are empty, the vines are dead, the stalls are empty. So I'm not joying based on something that's in my natural eyesight. I'm not joying based on something that is visible to the sense knowledge realm. I'm joying in a characteristic I know about God, a faithfulness I understand about God. I am joying. He is still the God of my prosperity, even though it doesn't look like I'm prospering. He is still the God of my deliverance, even though it looks like I don't have a way out of this situation. Amen? So I will joy because God hasn't changed in my situation. Even if the situation changes, God hasn't changed. Go with me to, um, I want to see one more New Testament verse before I get us over into Psalms. Not, it's not my only New Testament verse, but I want to, uh, this is uh, laying a foundation. Romans, let's look at um, chapter... 15, actually we'll look at 14, 17 first and then 15, 13. Romans 14, 
17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness is what Jesus has made us. It's not something we have, it is who we are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I don't have righteousness that I could lose by degree. I don't have righteousness that I can gain by degree. I am made righteous because Jesus was made cursed. He became sin to make me righteous. He became sin for me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. He became sin who knew no sin so that I would be made. So I've been made the righteousness. So the kingdom of God, this is how the kingdom operates. It operates in this position that I have been made, this relationship that I have been birthed into through the new birth. The kingdom of God is righteousness. My right standing with God gives me access to all of his provision, all of my inheritance, all of, gives me access to the name of Jesus, gives me access to the authority in that name, gives me access to the victory that is mine in Christ. So it is the kingdom of God has everything, it's operating, it is more productive when I am aware of who I am as the righteousness of God in Christ. It also says peace. Peace is another fruit of the Spirit. From Galatians, it was love, joy, peace, remember? So peace is also a characteristic or an attribute that is a spiritual attribute. It is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. You can, you can have emotions that come because of the peace of God, but the peace of God itself is not an emotion. The peace of God is a supernatural force that will restore your life if you yield to it. It'll restore relationships. It'll restore finances. It will restore health to your body. The peace of God. Jesus looked at that woman who had been healed of the, the, um, the issue of blood, the flow of blood, and he said, go in peace. He said, make it your lifestyle. Make that flow of peace your flow because it's a kingdom flow. It's a kingdom current, if you will. He said, go in peace. And so peace is supposed to be the, the force that has a continual operation. Peace is like always working behind the scenes to, to restore things. If, and so if the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and you've got peace constantly at work in your life, then the peace of God, even if the enemy does succeed in taking something, peace can replace it. Peace can restore it. Amen? So righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is righteous, righteousness, peace, and joy. So I need to give each of these their rightful place in my life. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, chapter 15, verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How much joy does God want you to have? He wants you to be filled, right? He doesn't want you to have a measure. He wants you to have a fullness. He says, the God of hope 
will fill you with all joy. So he, he, he wants to fill you. This is actually kind of in the form of a prayer. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So we see them working together with our faith. Joy and peace are companions. They are our participants in our walk of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. So if I am in faith, I will have joy and peace in place. I will have evidence of joy and peace. And so the Lord told Brother Keith Moore a phrase that we've used before, and I'll just repeat it because it bears repeating. Uh, it says, uh, um, faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. So if I'm complaining, you know what I've just told myself. I've just identified myself because I, 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 that's what I want to do. I want to self-check. I want to look and say, wait a minute, because I'm going to self-correct. If I catch myself over in the area of doubt, I'm not just going to leave myself there until one of my, my leaders in my life has to come and say, get yourself out of there. If I can find myself in it, I can get myself out of it. I'm like, Lord. Help me. I just heard that come out of my mouth, and that was complaining. And so a pastor was praying one day. He put this in his book. I think it was in the Refusing uh, the Care book. And I think we all need to read that again because there's a lot of care trying to get in our field. There's a lot of care. I'm going to say it again. There's a lot of care trying to get in the field. And God said to him that care opens up and props the door open. Worry props the door open for the enemy to bring in other things. But he was in, in a time of prayer, and we were probably in this apartment that we're in back at now. But we, we had an apartment, and he was out on the balcony of the apartment in the morning, and he was out there praying. He was out there praying, and he said he was praying. He was like, you know, praying, and he was praying and, and, and giving it all his emotion, all of his effort. You know, he's praying, and the Lord said, Philip, your faith, face is all scrunched up. Why? Because he's praying and he's got his face all... He said, your face... The Lord interrupted his praying. Interrupted his praying to tell him, your face is all scrunched up. Why does your face look like that? Why? Because he wasn't praying with joy and peace. So was there faith in it? What was he in? He was praying in despair. He was praying worried about a situation. And, and the, Lord, the Lord helped him to identify it by his body language. Your face is all scrunched up. Praise God. Aren't you glad our pastor is transparent enough to tell us? <laughs> how God has corrected him so that when we get to in prayer and we find ourselves scrunching our face, we can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad, doubt despairs. And if I'm despairing, even though I'm praying, if it's a despairing prayer, then I'm not, this is not the prayer of faith. <laughs> if it is a prayer where I'm complaining to God and complaining to God, it's not the prayer of faith. So faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. That's my evidence that I'm in faith. It is going to have a flow of joy and rejoicing in my faith. So it says here, joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope. 
He wants you to abound in confident, earnest expectation. Hallelujah. To abound. And that word abound means a thing which overflows or comes in abundance. Hallelujah. He wants you to have an expectation, an abundant expectation of good. And how does that happen? I'm operating these forces of God that he has made resident in my spirit. I have the attributes of God himself in my spirit. I have joy available so that I can respond in joy regardless of the situation, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of of any natural evidence. I can choose joy and that is going to result in my being strengthened. Now, I know this is a familiar scripture, but I want you to read it again. Let's go to it in Nehemiah chapter 8. You could probably quote it, but that's not how faith comes. Doesn't say, we got to hear it. We got to see it. Not just pull it out of our head. We got to get it in our spirit. And so to get it in our spirit, it said, attend to your, the word with your eyes, with your ears, so that it gets down in your heart. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says that, um, let's begin in verse 9, or actually in verse 8. Uh, they were, were rebuilding the, the temple of God, rebuilding the city, and in doing so, they brought the word back out. And it had been a while since they had been in the Word. And so they, they began to read the Word out loud to the congregation. And the people in the congregation saw how far away. Evidently, they saw how far away they were from the Word. And notice what it says here. They read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people... This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. They wept. There was a sorrow. There was a sadness. But they corrected them for responding with that sorrow. Now, there is definitely a time for us to repent and if, if there is a repentance that, that we are, are crying because we've missed it, we've, we've gone away from God, repent and, and, and get back in to the flow of joy and peace. But he's telling them, this is the day, a set-apart day. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that is holy unto the Lord. And there's a specific way that we are supposed to respond. Now, I have not been in church all my life. But when I did come into church, I came in and there were a lot of people in the full gospel circles that, that some of you may be familiar with as well that thought that every time the power of God came on them, it was supposed to be sorrowful. And there is definitely a time when there is a weeping in the spirit, when there's a travailing, but there is also a time of a refreshing and a joy. And when you read the Bible, you'll find out there are some very celebratory people. The, the, the people of God were very expressive in their joy to God. And so 
while there is a, a place for repentance and a place for a, a weeping before the Lord, it's not the dominant emphasis, Old or New Testament. It's not the dominant expression of how we respond to the presence and the power of God. More often you'll see the rejoicing versus the sadness. More often you'll see that people responded to God uh, with that, that celebration, with that festivity, and the Bible emphasizes that. He says that you enter into the gates with thanksgiving, right? Is that what Psalm 100 says? Can we look at Psalm 100? Hold your place in Nehemiah because I'm not done, but I just want to bring this light to us. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise. I like that. Not a sorrowful noise, not a sad noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve him with, again, not sorrow, not weeping. There, there may be a time, but that's few and far between. That's few and far between. The, the most general expression that I should be having in his presence is joy and gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness Come before his presence with singing. So this is the proper approach to his presence. Singing. Joy. Gladness. Hallelujah. Verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, when I, I, I the first time I was, uh, thanksgiving, I always, it always made me think of turkey and dressing, you know. Thanksgiving. But it should be a verb in our life. Just like you are an exalter, you are a giver of thanks. It should be a dominant part of our day. I mean, just get up and become thankful from the onset of the day. Because oh, he says that's how you, in, that's the gate entrance. You can't even get to the court except you come through the gate. So to come through the gate, He's, this gate and the court is using the Old Testament tabernacle in the wilderness and also the way that they had set up for the, the temple. There was a gate that led you into the courtyard that led to the Holy of Holies. So he's saying that there is a process or a progression and if you, he's using that illustration to let us know if I will become thankful, that's how I get through that first gate. And then I can move into praising God. And that's how I get into the courts. And then for me to move into the Holy of Holies, that's where I'm going to be worshiping. So that thanksgiving is something that you've got to cultivate. It is not a natural fleshly. Your, your flesh is not thankful by nature. My flesh is not thankful by nature. Do you know what my flesh would do if I didn't govern it? My flesh would feel sorry for itself. Would yours? You don't have to lift your hands. I'll lift both of mine for you. I'll lift both of mine and just say, if, if my flesh, if I did not govern it by the word, it would by nature feel sorry for itself because the nature of the flesh is selfishness. So that... That thankfulness is God's instrument to help us build our spiritual strength and overcome 
the fleshly desire to feel sorry. And when I'm thankful, I'm acknowledging God for something that he's done. And you know, it's possible to be excited about something, to be glad that he did it and not give proper thanks. I have two examples from the scripture. We see that there were 10 men. 10 men came to Jesus. 10 men, 10 men, 10 men, but only one was thankful. All 10 got healed. Do you think they were excited about being healed? I think they were excited. They all got to go back to their families. They all got to go back to work. They all got to return to the city. They all got got to do that. But not all of them expressed that in Thanksgiving. They enjoyed it. They took part in it. They participated in what Jesus had done for them. But they didn't come back to say thank you. So thank you isn't thank you till you say thank you. You could say, well, I'm thankful about that. Have you expressed it? Have you spent? And then, then can we talk about Hezekiah? You know, Hezekiah, the, Isaiah came to Hezekiah and said, go ahead and put your house in order because this sickness is, is, is going to take you. And, and so he turned his face to the wall. And he prayed to God, which didn't change God. It changed his position. He put himself in a different position. He humbled himself. He prayed to God. And God stopped Isaiah and sent Isaiah back and told him that God would increase, that he would extend his years. So it says in the book of 2 Chronicles that Hezekiah did not render unto God proper thanksgiving for that benefit. He received it. He, went, he got up and went on his way, but never acknowledged that God did that. Never went to God. And it said he did not render unto God according to his benefit. So there is a proper, a proper thanksgiving that God considers to be proper. Jesus said, did not ten receive their cleansing where are the nine jesus thought i'm looking i only see one where are the nine he expected them there was a proper thanksgiving that should have been given and the flesh wants to say oh i'm glad that's over and go on but if we want to develop ourselves in the spiritual um forces We've got to, wait, 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 that didn't just happen. God did that for me. God did that. I'm going to give him thanks. I am going to give him the proper thanksgiving. I am going to acknowledge and acknowledge again and acknowledge again. God did that for me. When um, Pastor Nancy Dufresne talked about how the... um, when her husband went home to be with the Lord, suddenly the plane went down over, over Kansas. And um, the person in their finances, in their ministry, came, she came into the office uh, of her financial office and she said, where are we? This was like the next day or so. And she said, well, we didn't pay payroll last payroll and we're not going to have that. We the money's not in the account for us to pay payroll. This payroll, and she, Pastor Nancy, said, "Well, 
I can't do anything about that. I'm going to go home and paint my nails. And so she went home and uh, she was just cast the care of that on the Lord and was believing God and just rejoicing. And, and uh, she gets the, a phone call from the lady from the financial office and she said, I came into the office today on this Monday morning and someone has overnighted a check for $100,000 to this ministry, which means as soon as they heard what had happened, they went right away to mail that and have it overnighted because of how fast it had gotten there. And in it, it said, the Lord impressed upon me to send this. I want to be the kind of person that when God impresses me, I don't need to be convinced. I don't need him to twist my arm or send me any kind of signs and signals and proof. I want to be that person that not only will respond, but has the money to respond because that, that made a, a emphasis, made an impact on that church family to see how God ministered to them and to their staff through that. But Pastor Nancy, she said, the person who God used to sow that seed, she said, for, for over a year and a half, probably still to this day, she said, I continually send things to say thank you. I'll send a box of steaks and say, just want to say thank you for what you did to help our ministry. Uh, you know, it wasn't just a, a thank you, that was really nice, and then you never hear from me again. But it was thank you, 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 thank you. Hallelujah. Rendering unto God according to the benefit. According to the benefit. That's how the scripture uses that phrase, according to the benefit. So the benefit that we have, there's, a, there's a, a measure of thanksgiving that equates or is, is a, a, a necessary, if you will, um, appropriate. Let me use that word, appropriate. There is a, a measure of thanksgiving that's appropriate. You know, if I bought somebody a dress, that, there, there's, there's a measure of thanksgiving if I go out and buy them a dress and a new pair of shoes. But if I bought them a house... There's a whole nother level of thanksgiving, right? There's a whole nother level of thanksgiving. So that thanksgiving is something that we need to see as valuable to God. Because when I'm thanking Him, I'm humbling myself to Him. If you see a thankful person, you see a humble person. That, because that humility is saying, you did that for me. You are the source. You, you made that happen for me. Lord, I thank you. So that thankfulness is a humility, and that thankfulness always keeps you with the perception correct. And so whenever you start to feel sorry for yourself, stop and become thankful. If you get aggravated at your husband or your wife, stop and become thankful. Find something that you're thankful about. And it's, it, the enemy wants to use the perception and make you think it's so bad. But when you start looking at the things that you're thankful for, then it just makes all of that, that, that negative perception just melt away because God really has been good to me. God really has made a way for me. God did that for me. And it stirs up your faith. So this thanksgiving is an important aspect. He says, 
serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse 4 says, enter. You know what? I just can't leave verse 3 because I think it is like the the core of, of our praise and worship. We know that the Lord is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That knowing is worship. That knowing, that knowing is what's going to cause me to lift my voice. God made me. He is my shepherd. He is my creator. He formed me in my mother's womb. God knew me before I was even an embryo in my mother's womb. He had ordained this time for me, this plan for my life. So know that the Lord is God. Verse 4 again, enter enter with thanksgiving enter with thanksgiving enter with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise praise is talking about what he's done it's talking about who he is it's talking about his great his great uh uh uh, feats, his great accomplishments, praising God for, for being our light and our salvation, praising God for being our ever-present help in time of trouble. It's acknowledging who he is to me. And then worship is ascribing worth, of course. But it says, enter with thanksgiving and enter into the courts with praise. Again, be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So because he doesn't change, the Lord is always good, his mercy is everlasting, my praise doesn't change, my rejoicing doesn't change because it's based on him. I don't praise by how I feel. If I'm praising by how I feel, then I'm going to praise sometimes and then sometimes I don't feel like it because I'm not all that excited today and I'm not all that joyful today and I've been thinking on the wrong thing or sad about something. And so my rejoicing is not based on any of those characteristics. My rejoicing is in Him. He doesn't change, so my joy never has to change. My praise never has to change. I should be able to praise God the same regardless of the difficulty because he didn't change. He hasn't stopped being who he is. So that's the, that's the source of my... If I'm praising for the right reason, it won't change. Do you see that? And so this is... For a reason. Now, we think this is all about God needing our praise and like there's some big ego that he needs to have, you know, uh, puffed up. But no, no, praise and rejoicing is, is he's worthy of it. It's due his name. It is something that only belongs to him. That's why uh, some people say, how come y'all don't clap hands in your church? You know, I would clap hands for a dignitary. I would clap my hands, you know, even to the beat of the music. That's not wrong. But I wouldn't go to God and clap my hands to him. Nor would I come up to the mayor or the governor or the president and say, 
Hi, I'm so glad you're here today. I lift my hands to honor you. I wouldn't honor a man with the lifting of my hands, and I wouldn't clap to God. There's only one scripture that says, clap your hands, O ye people, and it's not necessarily referring to praise or worship. It said, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God. So the clapping of the hands, and it, it was something that even in the Marine Corps and different uh, uh, even sports today, they will get themselves hyped up before a game, and they're, they're stomping their feet, and they're clapping their hands, and they did that in the war. They did that in the prison, and they, in the prison, in the, in the battle. They would get in the battle, and they would, would get everybody in their battle cry, get them ready for battle. Clap your hands, but shout to God. It never tells us to clap our hands to God because that is not worship. And the Lord, uh, many of you may have read the book of the, the glory. Is it the, um, oh, it's in, it's in a couple of, it's in, I believe, in Visions too by Brother Hagen. Got the, uh, the glory, the something in the glory that Brother Hagen wrote. But it's also in, I believe, in Visions. And the Lord appeared to him. Uh, before one of the camp meetings, and he said to him, he said, clapping is neither praise nor worship. And he says, the people are stopping short of coming in to what, uh, the fullness of what I have for them because of the clapping. And so Brother Hagen taught us that the proper emphasis of the New Testament for worship is lifting of holy hands and lifting our voice. That's scripture. And I want to be scriptural because I don't want to get to heaven and everybody else be having their hands raised and me over here trying to clap my hands. They're going to be like, she needs to go back to class. Take her back to class. She's not ready for this level. So, but, but scripturally, the emphasis is on, on um, the rejoicing with holy hands, with the lifting of our voice. Let's go back to Nehemiah because I need to see the reasoning here for what God, why God has made rejoicing um, a, a part of our daily life, why we are exalters. It says in chapter 8, verse 10, he said, he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry or sorrowful, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why we rejoice. That's why God wants us to be making joyful noises and serving him with gladness. That's what causes us to be spiritually strong. Amen? So the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if joy is strength, what is sorrow going to do? It's going to drain us. It's going to pull the spiritual strength out, and then all we have left is our, our natural strength. And that's not going to carry us into the fullness of what God has for us. So we've got to become exalters. We've got to see that my rejoicing and my emphasizing the goodness of God and thankfulness and celebrating Him is causing me to grow stronger. Psalm 68. Let's look at verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 68. And I have gone through and, and found the different 
um, definitions for some of these words. We're going to read both of these all the way through, and then I'm going to go back and, and give you a little bit of emphasis on each one of these different words. Psalm 68.3, but let the righteous, is that you? It's the kingdom of heaven, righteousness. Are you righteous? Then this is your instruction. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them exceedingly rejoice. Exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rides upon the heavens by his name, Jehovah, and rejoice before him. Can you show me the amplified? Rejoice before him. Praise God. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Cast up a highway for him. Can you do that? Can I do that? Can I cast up a highway for God? That's what the word extol means. In the King James, it says extol, but it says to cast up a highway for God. So I can make a, an a easy road for God to get his artillery into my... You know, the reason they made highways is not for us. The, the highways are for the army, the Marines, and the, the, all of the, the armed forces to be able to have have access to get their artillery and their machinery around. If we don't have highways, they don't have any way to be able to protect the country correctly because they wouldn't be able to. So they built highways not for us to travel and go on vacation, but the purpose of the highway was for the artillery. So we can, we can build a highway for God to get his heavy equipment into our situation by extolling him. Hallelujah. Cast up a highway for him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Be in high spirits and glory before him. Hallelujah. What did verse 3 say? Let me see verse 3 as well. But let the uncompromisingly righteous be glad. Let them be in high spirits and glory before God. Let them jubilantly, that was where we saw exceedingly rejoice, jubilantly rejoice. Well, I want to give us a little bit of a, um, a, a Strong's Concordance definitions of some of these words so that we can look at this verse and see that it's more than just a... A, a nominal gladness when it says, uh, let the righteous be glad. This means a joyful, cheerful countenance. So the righteous should always have a smile on their face, no matter what's happening. Let the righteous be glad. It's talking about my countenance, a joyful, cheerful countenance. Glory to God. Remember, pastor on the porch praying, and Jesus said, your face is all scrunched up. No, that wasn't a joyful, cheerful countenance. Let the righteous be glad with a joyful, cheerful countenance. Let them rejoice. This word means jump for joy or triumph. Triumph. It's a verb, not a noun. 
we thought, well, I, I have a triumph in that situation. I have a victory in that situation. I, tri- I have a triumph. But it's a verb. I triumphed. But he says jumping for joy and triumph are the same thing. Jumping for joy is I am expressing my triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let them rejoice, triumph, jumping for joy before God. Yes, let them exceedingly rejoice. Exceedingly rejoice. This is a different word. The word exceedingly means with glee or gladness. But the word rejoice here means to leap, to spring, or to be bright. To leap, to spring, or to be bright. So there's a jumping for joy and a triumph, but there's a different word for leaping and springing with a bright gladness. Hallelujah. And this is not based on what's happening, not based on how we're feeling, but this is on God. I'm rejoicing before God. I am exceedingly rejoicing because he is who he is. I'm exceedingly rejoicing because of who he is in my life. Hallelujah. And then verse 4 says, sing unto God. This might be my favorite. One of my children, I've always liked musicals in my house. And so, you know, we've got the sound of music and and, the hills are aloft. And so we've got the the different musicals. And one of my children, she really liked the drama and the musicals as well. And she said, Mom, Angela, she said, Mom, I just wish life could be a musical. I just wish life could be a musical. Well, this verse, our lives are, and you know, in a musical, you can just at, at, at any moment just burst into a song right? This word sing means a strolling minstrel singing in one's honor. A strolling minstrel singing in one's honor. A strolling minstrel. That means while you are going through your house, folding your clothes, if you're outside mowing the grass, if you're, you, you're singing minstrel, strolling through life, just singing in God's honor. Driving down the road, singing in God's honor. Sing unto God. A strolling minstrel. God is great and greatly to be praised. Glory, glory to his name. God is great and greatly to be praised. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall always be in my mouth. Just strolling through my life, just singing in his honor, singing in his honor, sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Now, this word is a different word saying. Did y'all know that there were so many different words? I've got them all written through here. This means to touch the strings or to make music accompanied by voice. So sing unto God like a strolling minstrel, singing in the honor of God, and then sing by touching the strings, making music accompanied with your voice, praises to his name, And then it says extol, which we saw in the Amplified, means, the Amplified says 
to make a highway for him. But the word in the strong concordance means to raise in words, to exalt in commendation, or to praise enthusiastically. So to raise in words. So I'm using words to lift him up. I'm using words to to raise him in my estimation, in the estimation of my circumstance. Sometimes your circumstance needs to hear you raise God with your words so that when the pressure of that situation is coming against you and the symptoms coming against your body, you just pull right out of the joy, which is your strength, and you begin to say, My God is more than enough. He is my ever-present help in time of trouble. My God shall supply all the healing I need, all of the strength that I need, everything my immune system needs. I thank God. And you begin to lift him with your words, to raise him with your words, to exalt him by commending him. Exalt in commendation was the other part of that definition. To exalt, I'm, I'm commending God for his greatness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I'm exalting him. I'm commending him in, in that lifting and that praising enthusiastically. It provides a highway for God to get in to the situation. So praise isn't just about, it's not about us giving something to God so that he can feel better. We get all the benefits of rejoicing. Rejoicing is something that benefits us more than, it's due him, he's worthy of it, he deserves it, but he's such a good loving God that when we give it to him, He gives us back strength. He brings his help into our situation. He pays, he just comes right in that road with the heavy artillery and says, let me just deal with this situation with you. You don't have to fight this battle on your own. Hallelujah. So this is for our benefit. Extol him. And then that last word that says rejoice before him again is jump for joy. Extol him and rejoice before him. Jump for joy. So there's a lot of jumping and leaping. It's not just vocal. It's, it's, it's supposed to be something that comes so strongly from my spirit that my entire body is employed in worshiping him. My entire body becomes an instrument. So the jumping, the rejoicing, the strolling minstrel, the exalting and raising him up with my words, hallelujah. Why? Because he is the same. He is the same healer. He is the same strengthener. He is the same covenant-keeping God. He is the same way maker. He is the same redeemer. He is the same victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at Psalm 64 and verse 10. Because we're looking at the righteous. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. So they go hand in hand. Being glad in the Lord... 
and trusting in the Lord go hand in hand. If I'm trusting in God but I'm sad, am I trusting? Oh, I'm trusting God. That, that right there, the inflection of that, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God. What are you trusting him for if there are tears? Are you trusting that? Do you see the, the connection of our joy and our faith? It says that Abraham, he was strong in faith doing what? Giving glory to God. So his giving glory, where does strength come? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So the giving glory to God strengthened him in faith, joy and peace in believing. So we've got to see that the being glad in the Lord helps me trust in him. My joy is strengthening my faith. My joy is a companion to faith. Let the righteous, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. Hallelujah. That's us. We are the upright in heart. And so we glory in him. Psalm 33. Let's look at verse 1 and give me the amplified for this. Psalm 33 and 1. Rejoice in the Lord. And this word rejoice in the Strong's Concordance means to have full out joy. <laughs> full out joy. <laughs> full out joy. Not, not half level joy, not three quarters joy, not, not, not restrained joy. No, full out. Nothing holding you back. Not embarrassed about how you're going to look. Full out joy. I mean, the Strong's Concordance will help us be exulters, won't it? will help us recognize there's an expression. God is an expressive God. And he has expressive people. He wants us to be full-out joyers. It says rejoice to have full-out joy in the Lord. Not in the circumstance, not in the situation, not in what you're going through. In the Lord. In the Lord. Rejoice. Full-out joy in him. In Him, in His goodness, in His faithfulness, full-out joy. Why? Because praise is comely for the upright. The Amplified says, uh, Rejoice in the Lord, O you uncompromisingly righteous, you upright in, up, in right standing with God, for praise is becoming and appropriate appropriate. Remember, Hezekiah did not render unto God according to his benefit. Praise is appropriate. Why? Because he is the one who made me righteous. I'm blood washed. It is inappropriate for me to bring anything but gladness. <laughs> it is inappropriate. After what he's done for me, how could I come into his presence complaining about anything? Amen. And after all of the victory he's put in my life, after giving me authority in Jesus' name, after making me the head and not the tail above and not beneath, always going over, never going under, how can I come to him and say, gloom, despair? Did y'all look it up? Don't look it up. You don't need it. Gloom, despair, and agony. Why could I, how could I sing that? It's inappropriate. Amen. 
Complaining is inappropriate. I mean, did the children of Israel in the wilderness, they started complaining and the snakes started coming in that never had entrance before? The snakes never had access to them before, but their complaining opened the access for that evil of the curse to come in. And praise God for his redemption. Praise God that he gave them the serpent on the pole. He showed them the redemption. But they never had to endure that if they would have neglected to complain. If they would have kept their eyes on, he gave us water out of a rock. Did y'all see that? I mean, can you ever get tired of that? If, I, I haven't seen water out of a rock. And I never want to come to the place that I'm like, yeah, water out of a rock. That was old school. That was old hat. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Saw water out of the rock. Yeah, I was there. Not impressed. <laughs> Excuse me. God made water. Not only did he make water come out of the rock, but the rock followed us all around the wilderness. Everywhere we ended up, there's that rock with water coming out of it. And thousands and millions of people are fed with water out of a rock, supplied with life-giving water out of the rock. Let me remind myself how amazing it is that water came out of a rock. Let me remind myself how amazing it is that we've got manna from heaven. Let me remind myself how God caused the quail to come in. That was the best chicken dinner I'd ever had. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Instead of recounting and thank, giving thanks and rejoicing in their victory over the Egyptians and their freedom from the... Their, I'm not making bricks today. I don't have to go out and make bricks. And nobody's going to beat me with a whip if I don't make enough bricks today. Instead of being thankful and rejoicing and coming to God and saying, God, he was, he was courting them. He was demonstrating his ability to, to care for them and to protect them and to provide for them. And they never looked at him and said, you're such a good provider. You're such a good provider. Hallelujah. They never looked at him and said, you are such a good deliverer. Oh, how you delivered us. They sang the song once and never picked that song up again. They should have kept that song. They should have sang that song again. Amen. Oh, how God delivered us. Oh, how he brought me out. Oh, how he made a way for us. Oh, how he opened the Red Sea for us. Oh, how he delivered us from the Egyptians. Oh, how he delivered us from the bondage. Oh, thank you, Lord for providing for us in the wilderness. Thank you, Lord. If they would have been more thankful in the wilderness, I think they would have been ready for the land that flowed with milk and honey. What led up to that refusal, that unbelief that kept them from entering in was their unthankfulness in the wilderness. And they weren't supposed to be in the wilderness as long as they were. But if they would have responded with gratitude and with worship and with rejoicing and focusing on who God was instead of saying, he brought us out here to die, brought us out here to die. We'd been better off if we would have died in the Egypt. We're gonna go. He brought us out here to die. And you know what? They got what they said. 
So how about we just say what we want from God? God, you're the way maker. You're the, you're the miracle worker. You're my strengthener. You're my help. You're my ever-present help. You're my healer. Oh, Lord, you're such a good provider. And go back and rehearse what he's already done for you. If nothing else, just go ahead and say, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can always start there. No matter how bad it seems, you're not going to hell. That's enough right there for you to enter the gate with thanksgiving. Enter the gate. Thank you, Lord, that I am redeemed from hell. I, when, I, when I, to be absent from this body, I will be present with the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't have to taste death. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. And if you'll start right there, more light will come. And you'll find something else to be thankful and to rejoice about. And if you will train yourself, this is your spirit telling your mind what it's going to meditate on, telling your mouth what it's going to say. Rejoicing helps your spirit take the lead over the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's how the joy of the Lord is your strength, is your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you're so good to us. So good to us. So good to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's go back to the New Testament and look at James chapter 1. Because a lot of people only access joy when something good happens. But I can see from Scripture that it's more needed in tough times. It is definitely a proper expression for when good things happen. But because joy is strength, I don't want to limit joy only for times when I am, when I am expressing about something good that's happened. Because it's not about, it's not stemming from the good that's happened. It's stemming from who God is, the good of who he is. So James chapter 1, James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He became a leader in the New Testament church after Jesus' ascension. Uh, And because of his role in the New Testament church, There was, during this time, a great persecution against the church. And we can tell from this chapter 1 that he's dealing with um, uh, people who are contacting him because of this persecution. For instance, in verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. So he's correcting that. And because there were uh, theologians, say there were people who were contacting him or reaching out to him and saying, you know, why is God letting this happen to us? Why is God letting this happen to us? They were in persecution. They were having to leave their families, leave their homes, leave uh, where they had grown up because of the persecution against Christians, and they were saying, why is this happening to us? Why did God let this happen? 
And he's correcting that. Don't say you're being tried by God, tempted by God. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Is that in your New Testament Bible? New Testament, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Why? Because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Hallelujah. And so in this, he's dealing with people who are encountering difficult times. I want to back up and look at uh, beginning in verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, giving us that recognition that they were under the persecution, they're scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, my brethren, count it, all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. Now, we're not rejoicing for the temptation, for the difficulty, but he's telling us how we are to respond in a difficulty. When trouble comes, I need to be strong. How am I going to be spiritually strong? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I need to rejoice and be, be skilled in the rejoicing during a difficult time so that my joy level doesn't lessen. I need my joy because my joy level is my strength level. For, it's easier to go through any attack if you're strong. It's easier with spiritual strength than it is to just tough it through. You can. You can just tie the knot at the end of the rope. You can knuckle your way through a difficult situation. And you can come through it on the other side, tore up from the floor up. Or we could access the supply of joy that is available to every believer in our spirit. It's a fruit Produced in the Spirit, cultivated by choosing to allow it to have operation versus the sadness, versus the sorrow, versus the dread, versus the worry. If I choose joy on purpose, then I am allowing that cultivation of the fruit of the Spirit of joy, which will bring a strength to my spirit. Not, by, not because I feel it. There are a lot of times I rejoice and my emotions would rather be, I have rejoiced with tears going down my face because I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not asking my emotions permission to rejoice because they don't run me. I don't want my emotions directing and driving my ship. I want my spirit alive and led by the spirit of God. I want my spirit to choose the way that God would have me to respond in this. And so he says, when you fall into diverse, and it means multifaceted, variegated, it, 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 it is a, a word that's talking about trouble on every hand. Trouble on every hand. When you fall into Diverse temptations, and this word, this phrase, fall into, is like the scripture. The only other time it's used, uh, Rick Renner talks about it. He said the only other time it's used is when the man fell among thieves and they beat him up 
and they, they robbed him and left him for dead. And you know, the Samaritan came by and the Levitical priest came by and finally uh, the Samaritan, when he came by, he rescued him. But that falling into, that's the same word used here. When you fall into, when, when you come under such attack that is designed to beat you up and rob you and leave you for dead, this is the time to count it all joy. The New Living Translation says an opportunity for great joy. This is my option. I can respond with my flesh, with my natural responses to how I feel about the situation, to the difficulty, or I could opt to respond to this out of my spirit and I could be joyful even though I am in in variegated, multifaceted attack from every side. Count it all joy, an opportunity for great joy. Hallelujah. The Berkeley translation says, consider it maximum joy. So if you're looking at your joy dial and you've got one through ten on your joy dial, this is not the time to turn joy to number two. It is not the time to turn joy to number five and say, let me give level five joy. No, I need to max out full out joy. I need to max out my joy right now. When I'm under attack, it's time for full out maximum joy. So do we see here that joy is a response to an adverse situation? It's a spiritual response. It's a spiritual response. It's how I respond out of my spirit because it's by faith. It's not based on what I feel or based on what I see. It's based on my faith in God. And so this responding with full-out joy, maximum joy, this is time for maximum joy. Hallelujah. That takes a faith response to do that. We're going to have to do it by faith. And when I say do it by faith, we're going to have to do it because we see it in the Word and we're going to be a doer of the Word. So I'm going to rejoice right now. Doesn't matter how my tears are flowing. It doesn't matter if my, if what, my, my, what my natural feelings are in this situation because they are not dictating to me how I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond with maximum joy. Let's look finally at 1 Peter chapter 1. I believe I've helped us today. 1 Peter chapter 1. Maximum joy. Exceedingly rejoice. Exulting. Exulting God. Okay, 1 Peter 1. Let's begin in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept. You who are kept. Say that, I'm kept. You are kept by the power of God, kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice. Does that sound like full out joy? Does that sound like maximum joy? You greatly rejoice 
Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Is this a multifaceted, variegated attack from every side? Manifold, many-folded, many-sided temptations. What am I doing in the many-sided temptations? Greatly rejoicing. You greatly rejoice in the time of much, trans, of much temptation. Why? That the trial of your faith. Why? If I'm rejoicing, I'm strengthening my spirit so that my faith can be constant. What I don't want in a trouble, in a trial, I don't want my faith to be up and down, coming and going, level one, level two, I'm holding on, I'm letting go, I've got it, I don't have it. I don't want that. I want, the Bible says, be constant, be firm, holding fast the profession of your faith, holding fast, holding fast. And so how do I hold fast with my faith? I need spiritual strength. So if I am rejoicing, the trial of my faith is a steady, consistent flow of faith because I have a steady supply of strength to my spirit from the joy greatly rejoicing in time of trouble so that the trial of my faith will be found. Verse 7 goes on. It says, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor. So when the battle stops and the smoke clears, what am I going to be doing? Praising and honoring so when the trial of your faith is going to be found with the, it's going to be found, it's going to have the, the, it, it, a constant flow of praise and honor and glory that's going to strengthen my faith through all of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Th that's how we, joy and peace in believing. That's how the trial of our faith is going to come through the fire because I'm not using natural strength to overcome this. I've accessed a spiritual strength that is in the fruit of the Spirit of joy, but it's not automatic. I have to yield to it. I have to cultivate it. So we have to cultivate joy. And, and hear my heart, family. We don't want to wait until an adversity comes before we cultivate it. But if you're already in the middle of adversity, it'll still get the job done. Amen. I mean, if you're already in the manifold temptations, the multifaceted, variegated attack from every side, just go ahead and get joy and pull your joy out and become a joy professional and maintain your joy. Because if you maintain your joy, you're maintaining your strength. And that's how the trial of your faith is going to come out pure gold. Hallelujah. Because there's a steadfastness available in the Spirit. Oh, Father, you're so good to us. You're so, so, so faithful to your word. And, Lord, we come tonight or this morning, Lord, we come with an expectation of your, your good in our life. You are the God of hope who fills us with all joy and peace in believing. And Lord, we yield to that fullness of joy. And we yield to that fullness of peace. And we yield to the strength being provided for our faith. And Lord, in this moment, we set ourselves in joy mode 
concerning whatever is taking place in our lives, we will rejoice and be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. Just say this with me. Lord, I yield to the fruit of joy. Your joy is resident in my heart right now. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to cultivate that joy, how to yield to that joy, how to develop a life of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name.